0: Happy Sabbath. Our message today, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Instead of actually giving a PowerPoint presentation or telling an outline, what I'm going to do is read, if you don't mind. I'm going to do some reading today in regards to the message, because the message is the last message in the series that I started probably a couple of years ago with this book countdown to the showdown with Dwight Nelson. We've had a series of messages on it and today is the last message to finalize the book. I believe you could still probably get this in the ABC with a study guide. So I encourage you if you can find it to read through it again. If the messages over the past couple of years have touched your heart because we've been going into the book of Revelation and digging out some nasty stuff, but factual things. And today The title, the final showdown. I think most of us know who Dwight Nelson is. But for those who don't know, I'll give you a little bit of a background with him. Pastor Nelson is the senior pastor of the Pioneer Memorial Church of the Seventh-day Adventists on the campus of Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan. He was born in Japan, Tokyo of missionary parents. He speaks fluent Japanese, so maybe something you didn't know about him. He is a narrator of a radio program entitled Perceptions. You can find out more about him in this church at www.pmchurch.org. So if you want to write that down, uh, feel free to do so. www.pmchurch.org. Today I will be reading from the last chapter of the book entitled Countdown to the Showdown. The title of the chapter is I Saw Jesus Coming. Some of us could experience the end of the world in this way, in this format. It's a hypothetical situation, but we may be able to experience it in the future if we have not been martyred for our faith or if we have not been put in jail because of what we believe. So the other option is the one I'm going to give you today. So the reading today is from that final option before the coming of Jesus Christ. We know we have a big showdown going on. It's a battle between evil and good. It's a battle of our minds and our hearts. And that's kind of what we're looking at in our Sabbath school study today as well. In our classes, we looked at that. But following up and concluding this series of messages... um, I will be using the Bible as well, so keep your Bibles handy. And I want to start out right away with another scripture before we go into the actual reading. If we want to go to Galatians, no, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Would have been another good um, scripture for the day. But I want to read this as well. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Galatians 6, 10 through 20. I had a splitting headache, one of those Anison 3 specials, as I twisted in my tangled sleeping bag, now tattered and muddied after nights on the soggy forest floor. Sleep? If you can call my restless tossing and rolling on the sloped earth and on that persecuting tree root that I couldn't escape, sleep. Then yes, I slept. But which of us out here in the benighted woods had really slept in days or nights? I propped myself up on an elbow and peered into the gathering gloom. They were all there, humps wrapped tightly in their bags and curled against the mountain chill. My wife and two children and a few close friends, fugitives, all of us, homeless and now hunted. Trying to escape the pounding in my head, I groped in the black shadows for my radio. Jamming an earplug in, I twisted the tuner on my shortwave band. Soon the crackling voice of a crisp English accent repeated the BBC's World Service Headlines, With the chaos of our own national media and the recent government takeover of the major networks, the BBC proved to be our most reliable electronic window on the world.
1: A world that is fast collapsing, a world plunging cataclysmically into what now appears to be complete planetary dysfunction and certain oblivion. Devastating global scourges that have racked the northern and southern hemispheres over recent months were now reported almost entirely encompassing the world. An oceanic plague more terrible than red tide has devastated the economies of coastal nations. On its heels has, had come the crimson contamination of fresh water supplies on land masses, and with the resultant drought, the agricultural resources of the world's masses had shriveled away, producing global famine and starvation. A regular BBC feature now reports the bloody food riots are in the world's great megacities. Rampant looting also occurring and mob carnage were twisting the last vestiges of civil disorder, turning it into a scarlet nightmare. As a further result of this economic and ecological collapse, the socio-political fabric of human society is shredding faster than the newscasters could report it. The once embraced values of human decency and dignity had long been cast into the raging winds of anarchy. The daily scene in most cities could only be described as a feeding frenzy. Adding to the gasping litany of doleful headlines was the deathly outbreak of a ravaging epidemic, a mysterious disease before which the medical community stood helpless. The onslaught of such tragedies of fear was no longer just an endemic. It was now a global paralysis of proportion. May God help us all.
0: The strange edge to the newscaster's voice mirrored the quiet terror that now gripped us with every snatch of news we were able to pick up here in our mountain hideaway. It was all happening so fast. I glanced through the shadows To where my wife was still tossing, we had hoped we could weather the striding community reaction to our Sabbatarian convictions back home. We all knew that the President and the Congress, upheld by an expedited decision of the Supreme Court, were soon to ratify their National Religious Reform Act. The new Christian right had become the most powerful political coalition in our nation, the ultimate special interest group. Their shotgun marriage with the Church of Rome led quickly and effectively to a lobbying blitz and secure the virtual abolition of our Bill of Rights. All, of course, in the national interests of God and moral revival. I suppose that with the economic collapse and the social morass of our nation, it shouldn't have come as a surprise. The President's primetime announcement, thanks to CNN, his somber visage appeared on television screens worldwide. I remember how Ted Turner had said the day he launched CNN that barring political or technical problems the network would broadcast till the world ends. How prophetic his words now seemed. The president's sonorous voice had summoned Americans across this great land to arise with one voice, as he put it, to declare to the nations of this world that America has repented before God, that this land of the free shall rise up and lead the world in a renewed allegiance to the sovereign rule of Almighty God an allegiance like that once possessed by our forefathers. The national reaction had bordered on mass hysteria. A strange revival spread across the land with hypnotic speed. The few who raised lonely voices challenging the constitutionality of such a church and state obligation were quickly threatened and mysteriously silenced. When we awakened one morning soon after and discovered a scarlet cross and a threatening Word splashed across our garage door. We knew that the time had come for our, as we told the neighbor, short vacation out of town. 400 miles northward, and what seemed like months later, here we are, sequestered along the edge of a jagged forest clearing on a mountainside we'd often come camping to in happier days long ago. How had the ancient prophet put it? They will live on the heights... Their refuge will be the fortresses of the rocks. Their food will be supplied, their water assured. And indeed, God had not forsaken us, for strangely enough, the stream beside which we now lay huddled hadn't turned into the contaminated crimson the radio had reported. And in the undergrowth beneath the towering forest, we had scrunged enough food to stave off starvation, food and water for our fugitive stomachs. But it was our hearts that were knotted now, twisted by the dark foreboding that, perhaps even yet, after all the exploding fulfillments of the apocalypse and the sobering headlines over our crackling radio, that even after all of this, our clinging faith in God might fail and our trembling hope in Jesus might crumble. What if we should let him down in the very end? The worrisome question was another reason no one slept much on the soggy ground. Through the night, watches we would often huddle close to each other the knees of our dirty jeans worn brown from pleading with god who reigned beyond the stars if only he might as he did in that dark midnight with jacob speak a quiet word of grace of forgiveness of mercy of a salvation that hope beyond our seemingly impending deaths with that in mind let's go to isaiah chapter 33 Isaiah chapter 33, starting in verse 1. Woe to you who plunder, though you have not been plundered. And you who deal treacherously, though they have not dealt treacherously with you. When you cease plundering, you will be plundered. And when you make an end of dealing treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited for you. Be their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble, and the noise of the tumult. The people shall flee. When you lift yourself up, the nations shall be scattered, and your plunder shall be gathered, like the gathering of the caterpillar. As a running to and fro of locusts, he shall run upon them. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Surely their valiant ones shall cry outside. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The wayfaring man ceases. He has broken the covenant. He has despised the cities. He regards no man. The earth mourns and languishes. Lebanon is shamed and shriveled. Sharon is like a wilderness, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift myself up. You shall conceive chaff. You shall bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you, and the people shall be like the burnings of lime. Like thorns cut up, they shall be burned in the fire. Hear, you who are far off, what I have done, and you who are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has ceased to hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppressions. Who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes. Who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. And shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. Your heart will meditate on terror. Where is the scribe? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? You will not see a fierce people, a people of obscure speech, beyond perception of a stammering tongue that you cannot understand. Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. Not one of its stakes will ever be removed, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the majestic Lord will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams in which no galley with oars will sail, nor majestic ships pass by. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Your tackle is loosed, they could not strengthen their mast, they could not spread the sail. Then the prey of great plunder is divided, the lame take the prey, and the inhabitant will not say, I am sick, the people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquity." What happened next transpired with blinding speed. I had just jerked the earplug out when I heard a distant rumble below us. The sound of all terrain engines winding up the forest floor. And then voices, sharp commands. Our hiding place had been found. In that instant of terror as we scrambled and clawed up the mountainous slope. In the darkness of midnight, it was suddenly as if time stood still the seventh angel poured his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a violent earthquake, such as had not occurred since people were upon the earth. So violent was that earthquake. Like a splattered watermelon, the earth beneath our feet broke open, and in a single instant the entire planet fissured the globe collapsing like the Oakland Freeway in the San Francisco earthquake. The sky vanished like a scroll rolling itself up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Now it is as if nature had gone berserk. Suddenly the blending or the blinding sun mysteriously appears, and at midnight, mountain rocks hurl down their slopes, crashing into forests and exploding onto plains below disseminating everything in their pathway. The still scarlet ocean boils into mountainous walls of tsunamis, killer waves that lash entire island chains of life into oblivion. The very air of the ruptured heavens is set afire by sheets of white and yellow lightning that strike the dusty earth, bed into a million fires, burning in a night, turned frantic day. And in that solitary moment, Earth's proud bastions of defiance, the seaport cities of the world, are reduced to flotsam, swept away by an avenging sea. The temples of glass and steel and mortar and stone, once boastful icons of human ingenuity and rebellion, the skyscrapers of the world's sprawling cities, collapse like a house of cards before the rolling, heaving earth, an earth that has suffered long under the iron fist of human exploitation. Now as a To rid itself of its destroying virus, it heaves and wretches like an attic beside a night street lamp. And into the night they wail. The distant sirens of disaster, tornado and hurricane, and nuclear warning sirens tripped by the pitching of the earth. Their eerie moans rise into the thickened sky above to join the raging cacophony of destruction. Like the voice of demons upon a mission of destruction. And that comes from the book, uh, Rev- uh, Great Controversy, page 637. If you want to go to Revelation chapter 18, for what the Bible has a view of this as well. Revelation 18. Revelation 18, starting in verse 9. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of cottonwood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, And bodies and souls of men. And the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things, who became rich by her, will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. And every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance. And cried out when they saw the smoke of their burning, saying, What is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing. And saying, Alas, alas, that great city, in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists and musicians, flutists and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. And no craftsman of any craft will be found in you anymore, and the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. And the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of a bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For you merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. We scramble to a higher outcropping on the mountain slope. No one knows for certain any longer whether it is night or day. The sky above is choked with dark, belching smoke that rises like an atomic mushroom cloud from the valley floor below us. All the red and black and orange images of Kuwait's oil field infernos cannot compare to the thick, smelly carnage of destruction that now billows up from the crumpled earth below. Tiny dots of red and blue flash wildly, through the smoke from the distant cities, emergency vehicles that can never stanch earth's last hemorrhaging. And then someone shouts, and our hearts stop, for from our rocky ledge we can see it, the sign that countless generations of this race have passed on to their children, the sure and certain sign that humanity's wildest hopes are about to come true. In the east, a small black cloud about half the size of a man's hand, With solemn awe, our eyes are riveted to that growing cloud, black yet gold around its mushrooming edges. It moves in from the east and seems to throb with every expanding billow. Closer and closer, brighter and brighter, the black has been but a shadow. For now, as it expands to fill the heavens, the clouds have turned white, a brilliant fire white that shines like the noonday sun. To the east and west and north and south, the flaming cloud flows and spills into every niche. Of heaven. And then above the screaming earth, we hear it, the sound of music. The cloud is alive. With mighty charity, twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands, the Lord came. Beings of light, tall and noble, singing a majestic rhapsody that tingles up our backs. Though we can't make out their words, high atop that ledge, there stirs within our souls an echoing refrain. But our own pagan is not set free until that moment. When our eyes are drawn still upward, higher still. And there that cumulus of fire. He rides. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the armies of heaven were in fine linen, white and pure. Were following him on white horses. On his robe he has a name inscribed. King of kings and Lord of lords. Someone half yells, half whispers It's Jesus! And like an unchained melody, our ecstatic cries ascend to heaven. This same Jesus has come at last for us. Weeping with joy and laughing through our tears, we instinctively clasp each other in glad embrace. Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Closer and closer he comes. And then in a moment... That will never be forgotten. The prince of heaven stretches out his purple scarred hands. And with a shout that thunders like music through the corridors of the sky. Jesus cries. Awake you who sleep in the dust. And arise. And a thousand forgotten hills. And from a myriad of abandoned cemeteries. The best comes last. High in the reeling sky is heard the clarion silver blast of a trumpet. And in a single spinning moment. The dusty covers of a billion beds are thrown back. And the sleeping friends of God awaken. No sooner has that piercing bugle sounded than there is movement to our side. Instinctively, we turn to fully face one of heaven's proud warriors. Cradled in his strong arms, we see the cooing, delightful smile of the precious little daughter we buried a while back. On a day long ago, on a faraway hillside. And in a blur of tears, our lives are healed at last. Let's jump to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for our concluding scripture. And I'm sure that we're all quite familiar with this scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We usually hear this scripture at funerals. Verse 13. with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Going on, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as a labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. We are surrounded by millions of others, men and women, and boys and girls, and babies, and teenagers, and families, and friends, and strangers, with the kindest faces soaring, all of us together, up from gaping graveyards and shattered horizons, up from sea and land, up from hovel and dungeon, A billion beaming faces from every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Every shining eye still locked into the beckoning face of Jesus. His flowing white hair and youthful countenance turned toward us. His arms and nail-scarred hands outstretched in an embracing welcome. His flaming dark eyes smiling silently. I told you I'd come back for you. In conclusion... Higher and higher into the deep purple of space, and toward the exploding cloud of light we ascend. The blue green ball below, so long our terrestrial home, recedes beneath our soaring feet. They say that home is where the heart is. Gazing now into the approaching face of Jesus, everything within us cries out, We are home at last. Our benediction comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 22. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that blessed hope that we heard of today. May each of us be spirited to meet you when that time comes. May we be the people you have called us to be stand despite the circumstances around us. Let us be strong now and let us continue to put our faith and our trust in Jesus, your Son, and the Word of God as our basis of complete faith. Amen.